Yeah, good morning, everybody. It's a privilege to be here today to be able to share with you from God's Word. And uh, yeah, Carol and I, have my wife sitting down over here, have had the privilege and honour of living for Jesus in West Africa. We began in 1974 and we've had the honour of sharing the good news of Jesus with pastoralist people. But what I'd really like to do <coughs> this morning is to share with you from God's word and share with you something of which the, the scripture which has meant a lot to us in our ministry among the Fulani in Niger. As you can see on the screen, the title of my message is I am sending you. Now you realise, of course, that the one who spoke that is Jesus. Incredible, is it not? That he is saying the word of God, the saviour of the world, our God who sent Jesus into the world to live and die for us, Jesus is sending us. Now, before I move into that subject, I'd just like to remind you, those of you who were here two weeks ago when Matt was preaching, instead of having I am sending you on the screen, um, the heading was, or the title was, does anybody remember? The Lost Sheep. And Carol took a few notes. And in Matt's sermon, he said, this means that we are to go. This is the heart of God, the orientation of God to send us into the world. He said to us from the scriptures, we're not to build walls to wall ourselves in, to protect ourselves from the world, but we're to build bridges and the walls that will be broken down. And he went on to say, we are to be the salt, to be the light. We are to let people see what God has done. We are to build bridges. So I would like to ask you, how have you got on in the last two weeks? What bridges have you built with people? Have you had the opportunity of sharing the love of Jesus with anybody in these last two weeks or of reflecting his love? You see, sometimes we as ordinary believers can listen to someone like Matt and say, well, it's all right for him. You know, he's a preacher, he's been trained and he's very capable academically. He can answer questions just like that, but I'm not like that. So I wonder, do we sometimes feel so overwhelmed that we sort of cringe and we do actually sort of build walls around ourselves because we're a bit afraid or embarrassed or whatever. So I would just like to read this passage from John 20, 19 to 23, the passage which has meant so much to us in our lives and in our ministry with the Fulani is found in John 20 verses 19 to 23, but not in living among the Fulani alone, but with Aussies who live around us when we're home. Listen to what Jesus said as he spoke to his disciples on that resurrection evening, the day of the resurrection. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, 
Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What incredible words. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we've just read your words to your disciples spoken so long ago. But these words are spoken to us today. And I pray that you will take me and my weakness and enable me to share your word clearly so that my brothers and sisters, my friends here, might be really encouraged and inspired to want to do just what you've said here because you've made every provision to make that possible. And we thank you in your precious name. Amen. So as you saw in the context of these, pas- <coughs> of these words, Jesus was speaking to his disciples on the evening of that resurrection. And here they were in the room gathered together. That day had been quite a day, hadn't it? The women went to the tomb and Peter and John ran after them and they found that Jesus' body was missing and they, they heard about Jesus being alive. Some of them had great difficulty believing it. Some of them had seen him, but most of them hadn't. And so they were <coughs> very, very confused, maybe. Some were excited, but they were also filled with fear. So in verses 19 and 20... I'll just repeat them. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said, Peace be with you. So this was a cultural greeting in those days and a common greeting. But when Jesus spoke these words, these words had deep, deep meaning because now it was true that they could have true peace, peace with God and peace with each other if they came to understand the peace that they could know with God. These words were really true because Jesus had left heaven and come into this world and he had been willing to go all the way to the cross and in the garden, remember, he said, Father, not my will but yours be done. And then as he hung upon the cross with great authority, he said, finished. And in Matthew chapters 27 and verse 51, we read that the uh, the curtain of the temple. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And so it signified that the way into God's presence was now open. No longer did they need animal sacrifices. But Jesus' death, through his death and resurrection, he had paid for our sin. Our sin was dealt with. And now we have a way into the presence of God. And that is the only way. There is no other way 
Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. And so can you see that his words have deep significance because we do have peace with God because our sin has been dealt with, our guilt is removed, and we can now be friends with God, we who were his enemies. I'm sure you know that. But I wonder do we realise that others who don't know it are condemned already because they have not believed in, the, in Jesus. Think of what it would have happened if Jesus had not left heaven. If he, like Matt was saying two weeks ago, said, oh, I'm not going down to that sinful world, and if he had decided to stay in heaven and not come down into this world, then he would not have been able to bridge that gap. There would be no peace with God. Our sin would not have been forgiven and we would die and, be, and be we would be condemned and the wrath of God would still be upon us. But because he was willing to come into this world, therefore the scriptures say being justified by faith, we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So looking at the... The scripture again in Jesus in verse um, 21, it says, Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I want you to think about the fact of who he's sending. He is sending you. So here he's speaking to the disciples, isn't he? And just a few days before he had, just before, a few days before they had deserted him and fled. Peter had denied him. The disciples were very slow to learn, weren't they? Even when Jesus was on the way to the cross, there was an argument about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so these disciples were just weak slow to learn, fearful people, ordinary humans just like you and me. And so this passage is a great encouragement to us and it was to us as we were preparing to go to Niger because we felt so inadequate and so incapable to go to represent Jesus and take the gospel to people we had never been with and didn't know their language yet. We were very, felt very intimidated and then we notice too that when Jesus came, did you notice in verse 19 it said that the doors were locked. They were afraid. And maybe do you feel afraid sometimes when you feel that God's wanting you to go out into the world to share the message? Why did they have the doors locked? Well, they were afraid what happened to Jesus might happen to them. And so they were very much intimidated by the world around them. But Jesus He's telling them to get out of that room and to go out into this world. And he told them, didn't he, to wait till the Holy Spirit came and then they were to go and do that. So this passage is a great encouragement to me because it's referring to God sending me in all my weakness. You can be encouraged because he's sending you and we don't have to be highly qualified and uh, powerful people. In fact, God chooses to use the weak of this world 
And uh, so it's in our weakness that he uses us. So then Jesus also said in verse 21, as we just read, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So let's think about how God sent Jesus into the world and then relate it to ourselves. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Where did he send Jesus? He sent him to a broken world, a world that was in rebellious to, rebellion to him, a world that was lost and condemned, a world that was enslaved by the enemy, Satan, to a religious world, people with all their different religions and idols. Jesus was sent to a world like that. And Jesus was willing to leave heaven's glory, to humble himself and to come into this world to be born of the Virgin Mary, to be born as a Jew, that he might so identify with the Jewish people as the Son of Man and as, as fully human and yet he was still fully God. Can you, it's hard to comprehend, isn't it, that he who created the universe because without him nothing was made that was made. It is incredible to think that Jesus was willing to lay aside his glory and what it meant to be with his Father in heaven and come into this world and to be born as a little baby, dependent on his mother, to be born as a Jew, to grow up like a Jew and to live among them and to learn as he grew up through childhood and then to begin his ministry. Helpless in the arms of Mary. So did he humble himself. And Jesus is sending us in the same way to our world. He is sending us that we might also enter our world. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, we read, the word became flesh and lived among us, or became human. The word became flesh and lived among us. When we arrived in Niger to work among the Fulani people, it was incredible the difference, the way the Fulani live and the way we do. Pastoralist people living out in uh, the isolated areas with their herds of cattle and sheep and camels and so on. And here we arrived and we're wondering, how can we possibly get to know these people and build a relationship with them? And we realised that we would have to go to where they are. We would have to leave our base and we, went, we were based in a little village where they came into the markets. But we had to go to where they were to meet them, to their markets and to their wells. And, and also from there we would be invited to go to their encampments. They were amazed when we told them that we were trying to learn their language. They, and we, so, so we had to try and learn their culture as well. And so we would go to their naming ceremonies and to their funerals, to the weddings. We would spend time with them and gradually our language grew and we spent time living among them and sleeping out in the camps where the people are. And so we began to be able to get to know them and to be able to build relationships with them as we, as we lived life with them. And that was very challenging. And I think it's very challenging for us as believers today who, have, uh, who are together as a community of believers to relate to non-church people, to our neighbours 
and to people that we work with and whether we're at university or whether we're older and we're living in our community. So how can we do that so that we might build relationships with them like we've been building with the Fulani people? And uh, so it's a challenge, isn't it? But the, another challenge that we faced, and this is also mentioned in verse 14, where it says, the word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this was the other challenge that we had. As the Father sent Jesus into the world, so he's sending us, not only to relate to people, but to relate to them in showing his glory, to reflect the character of Jesus. Now, the way that when we see what Jesus did, when he was on earth, we see that he was completely dependent on, on his father. It says in Luke 4, 14, that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In John, these words are, are written. When Jesus said, the words I speak are not mine, but my father's. When he said, the works that I do are my father's works. I do nothing apart from my father, Jesus said. And so we realise that just as the Father sent Jesus and Jesus was dependent on his Father as he lived here on earth to reflect the Father's glory, so we were to be dependent on Jesus that we might reflect Jesus' glory to the world that he was sending us to. And so how are we to do this? Well, in verse 22, Jesus, it says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now maybe you might feel a bit confused about that because Pentecost didn't happen until uh, many, a few weeks later, did it? But of course Jesus was in a sort of prophetic way, breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit as a, a significant act to remind these disciples or to show them that it was only going to be in the power of his spirit that they were going to be able to live for him. And so we read as he taught his disciples in John 15, for instance, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me so that you might bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so that was the great encouragement for us as we moved out to work among the Fulani people. We knew that we were dependent upon Jesus to do that. I'd like to remind you of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. I'm sure you remember those verses, Galatians 5.21. And so as we abide in Jesus or live close to him and depend upon him, then it's this fruit that is to be seen in our lives. I wonder... Do you feel that you are reflecting his character in that way? Remember what it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. So as God, the Spirit empowers us to reflect Jesus, to be like Jesus, so this is how we are to live. There's a verse in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 when Paul wrote to the Colossians, he was talking about the fact that God had sent him to present the gospel to the Gentiles. And as he shared with this church, he wrote in his letter, he said this, to the Gentiles God has chosen to make 
or God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, has chosen Paul to make known among the Gentiles the mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's only because Jesus lives in us by his spirit that we have any hope of showing his glory. But as he does, then we can trust him to work in and through us so that his character might be seen in us. Because it's one thing to go to the Fulani and live close to them and, and dress like them and eat their food and r- relate so closely to them so they get to know you. But if, you don't re- if we didn't reflect Jesus' glory and his character, well, would they listen? Would they be attracted to Jesus? I don't know if you remember these words in John 17 in Jesus' prayer, which the disciples heard just a few days earlier. He says, Father, as Jesus prays to his Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Incredible. Just as the Father was in Jesus, Jesus is in us so that people might see his glory. And he goes on and he says, um, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Jesus has given us his glory so that we might reflect him to a lost and needy world. So this is some of the ways in which God sent Jesus, how God sent him and how he's sending us. And why was Jesus sent? Why? To reconcile us to God, to be the Lamb of God that bore away our sin in his body on the cross. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, when we read that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, all of us, Jews and Gentiles, everybody, every human has fallen short of God's glory. But it goes on and says, God, that we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented Jesus, his son, as a sacrifice of atonement. The wall was broken down. The curtain was torn in two because Jesus paid the price that we couldn't pay and it's completely paid for. And so as we think about this this morning, I want to remind you that Jesus has sent his spirit to empower us to be his witnesses. We have found in working with the Fulani uh, in the time we've been working with them that there are many bridges that we have Uh, to be able to share the gospel with them. And there's bridges that we can use too to share the gospel with people here at home. In verse 21, he says, If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What does this mean? Well, Jesus, of course, gave his life to ransom us. He came to give his life that our sin might be forgiven. And so we can say to people that we share the message with, if you believe this message, your sins are forgiven. This is guaranteed. Jesus is the one who gives eternal life. He said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they will never perish. They will never be taken out of my hand. And so we can, with great assurance, 
tell people that their sins are forgiven if they believe in Jesus. But if they don't, then we warn them that instead of their sin being forgiven, their sin remains and they are condemned. In closing, I would just like to remind you that um, Jesus, when his father sent him into the world, he obeyed and he went. When he was there in the garden, he said, not my will but yours be done. The disciples, when Jesus said to them, as the Father is sending me, has sent me, I am sending you, the disciples went and the world was turned upside down through their witness. After the day of Pentecost, these fearful disciples became courageous. And so what about us? Are we too going to respond in obedience and go? This book here, How to Talk About Jesus, written by Sam Chan, is a book that I find very practical and helpful for us to be able to know how we can better relate to our family, to people outside of the church. And uh, so, for instance, uh, one person, the founder of Alpus Network, wrote this about the book. In his new book, expert evangelist Sam Chan invites you into his home to see what personal evangelism looks like in his own life, complete with examples, stories and other practical guidance. It is a great resource for every Christian who wants to help others meet Jesus. It's a very practical book that I'd really recommend, How to Talk About Jesus. And then last week, Andy Bannister was here from England and he wrote a book it's a bit similar to this, but particularly on how you can ask questions so that people who don't know Jesus uh, makes them really think. And so his book is entitled, similar to this, but has a different, um, a different emphasis, How to Talk About Jesus Without Looking Like an Idiot. <laughs> and uh, it's a pa panic-free guide to having natural conversations about your faith. This book explores why you don't need to be afraid or uncomfortable. The four questions that help people open up. The five steps to respond to tough questions and how to effortlessly bring faith into a conversation. So that's another great book that's just recently been published. He's a great writer, Andy. So that's uh, How to Talk About Jesus Without Looking Like an Idiot. Books are in, uh, these books are available at Koorong or also on the, what do you call it, Carol? Yeah, say it louder. Amazon, that's right. We don't have Amazon out with the Fulani people. <laughs> so I'd like to just have you look at this quote as I close. This is a quote from Betty Stamm. She was a missionary in China back earlier this century or last century. She was martyred for her faith. And this is what she, she wrote. Let us lift up Christ before the world. Talk about him to everyone and live so closely to him that others may see that there really is such a person as Jesus because some human being proves it by being like him. Let us lift up Christ before the world. Talk about him to everyone and live so closely to him that people will believe in Jesus because of it. We are so thankful that we went to the Fulani and built relationships with them. We are so thankful that now in this next picture, there are many, many believing Fulani 
Um, they can see one a picture down on the okay, that, that picture there. It's a picture of a recent conference. We need to not stay in the locked room or in our enclosure, but we need to break down the walls just like Jesus came into our world. And as we do that, then people who we know will come to hear and know about Jesus. And just remember what Jesus said. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Who is the I am? It's the same I am who said to Moses, Moses, I'm sending you to Egypt and Moses to free my people from slavery. And Moses said, who will I say sent me? And God said, you say I am is sending you. And Jesus is sending us to release people from slavery, not the slavery of Egypt, but from Satan's slavery that they might with us come into his kingdom. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here this morning. I do pray for each one of us that you will strengthen us by your spirit. Thank you for the great honour and privilege you've given us of being sent into this world so that people might come to know who you are and why you came. So we yield ourselves afresh to you that you might indeed work in and through us to that end. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.